The first reading is from Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. Behold my servant, who I am uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carve idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody comes from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. His wor worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Sirion like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temples all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as a king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The second reading is from Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know all, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Were we, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in this newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would not, no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we had died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to you, Lord. <clears throat> then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? 
But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus is his fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and beheld the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Start our time together this morning with a question for you. Simple question. I've asked it a lot in your life at different times, but here it is again. The question you can ask is, who am I? Three words. Who am I? That question was inspired by the gospel lesson we read today. Today we read about the baptism of Jesus. On that day with power and with love, the Father God declares to Jesus and to the world who Jesus is. He would need that strong affirmation because from that day forward, he was on a mission that he would save God's people and that he would destroy and expose all the work of the evil ones. And that work would require, that work would actually demand a strong presence of God's Holy Spirit and a convincing understanding of who he is. The baptism of our Lord was needed, and it provided the question for the day, who am I? Now, there's think about who am I. There's times in our life where it's blessed. Life with our Lord is good. We are close to God. We experience His Spirit. We have a discipline going. We have, we're reading the Scriptures, and our prayer life is good. Our worship life is good. We're giving. We're serving. We're doing all the things that a disciple, a follower of Jesus would do, and our life is fully blessed. We have a peace and a beautiful relationship in those days without hindrance, and it's good. And in those times, we know that we are the Lord's, and He is ours. But sometimes there's distracted times and seasons in our lives. There's times when all this worldly gifts, all these good things of God, they can tempt us away from that beautiful relationship with our Lord. And that blessed, peaceful relationship that we'd previously known, it's somehow or another hindered. And we can begin to forget who we are. We can forget that we are the Lord's and He is ours. It can be worse than that even. There are troubled times in our lives, troubled seasons in our lives. There are times when we might have physical pain. There might be times when we're experiencing tremendous emotional pain from the people we love. There might be physical or spiritual fatigue. The ugliness of the evil one might be working in the world, or the ugliness of the evil one, evil one might be working in the lives of the people near and dear to you. It can come from the world, or it can even come within the church. Because of darkness... The relationship with God can be hindered. We can lose the beauty of knowing that we are the Lord's and He is ours. That only happens to, to me. I'm sure there are times and seasons when it happens with you. For whatever it's worth, we're not alone. Amnesia, if you will. At the end of World War II, there were more than 50 French Prisoners of war, they came out of prisoner war camps from Indochina, and they came out with amnesia, full amnesia. 
having endured the brutality of war, having endured the, the defeat of their army, having endured the prisoner, the Japanese prisoner of war camps, they were brutal and they were ugly and they, were, they just destroyed men. Because of all that, they couldn't remember who they were. Something happened in their brain, in their psychology, and who they are as a people. They disconnected. And there were no records on their person or in the camp or in that place for them to figure out who they were. So someone came up with an idea. These guys, they thought they were, they knew they were from France. They thought they were a Paris regiment. They thought that they would run newspaper articles in a Paris newspaper. And they would announce that these men had returned to the country, had returned to the city, and that they were going to appear on stage at the biggest facility they had, which was a massive opera house. And the plea went out with all of Paris, in fact, France, who might know these, that if anyone thought that they might know these soldiers, that they were your loved ones, your friends, that they could come to the opera house and they could help make an identification of who these men were. So on the appointed evening, the opera house, it was packed. Packed. And when everyone was ready, the first of the soldiers was to be escorted on that stage. And the stage was empty. Bare stage, only the lights were on. The soldier was escorted by one person and they stood in front of the audience with just a microphone. And in that place, all the busyness of the opera house, it, it calmed to a near absolute quiet. And they all focused upon this lone first surviving soldier. Breaking the silence, the soldier spoke. He just didn't spoke. He pleaded. Does anyone out there know who I am? Thinking of that story, how powerfully sad. The world's ugliness, the evil-induced wounds, hindered those grown men. They were previously competent sons. They were strong and vibrant husbands and fathers. They were warriors. And now, because of the ugliness of the world inflicted upon them, they could not remember who they were. And one by one, they would stand in front of that crowd and wait to hear if anybody knew who they were. I think the issue of identity for us as Christians in these days, it's a serious, serious thing to consider. I think that tremendous blessings in our world can cause us to have amnesia, forgetting whose we are and who we are. I think that the evil-inspired dark behaviors in the world and within churches can sometimes cause amnesia in people. Though few of us might forget our names, sometimes we forget whose we are. We forget that we are the fathers. And we forget who we are. We forget that we are the beloved of God. And I think the evil one, more than, often than not, he works in that order. The first thing he works on is that he tempts us to focus upon the distractions of the world. Either the positive distractions or the negative distractions. Either way, it's fair game. And in doing so, it can lead us to forget that we are the Lord's. And then next, after that, he tempts us 
to, to work, and he works that he would confuse our understanding of who we are, that we are beloved. First the distraction, and then the misnaming. Today we remember and we celebrate that it's not the world that is our identity giver. It is God who is our identity giver. It is God who declares whose we are. It is God the Father who declares who we are. And that identity, identity for us as Christians, it begins with Jesus. Matthew begins his book. And in these first three chapters of Matthew, there's a number of titles or identities for Jesus. In the very beginning, starting in verse 1, 1, it says that Jesus is the son of David, son of Abraham, that genealogy. And then later on, we have angel declaring who he is. Jesus, you're to name him Jesus. He's the Savior, and he's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. So who is Jesus? He's your Savior, and he's conceived of God. And then we also read in this chapter 1, verse 23, the prophets will call him Emmanuel. Verse 20, chapter 2, 23, he's going to be a Nazarene. The Magi, we read just last week, they call him King of the Jews. John the Baptist, will talk just in the previous verses, said, the one who is more powerful than I, he's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. That's who Jesus is. All those names are correct and they're right and they're true. And today, on top of all of that, we hear God the Father saying. Today we hear the Father giving us the full picture of who his Son is. And by default in baptism, who we are. Jesus is at the river. And the full picture begins with Jesus standing there amongst the crowds that were gathering from the cities and from the towns and the communities, gathering by the river. We get this in various gospels about how the people kept coming to John the Baptist at the river to hear his message and to receive this baptism. So there's good chance that there's a good number of people there. And then in time, that crowd starts to form a line so that they might be baptized. And where is Jesus? He's standing with. He's standing with people like we see in the community around us. Jesus is standing in line with people who have made some bad decisions, with people who have maybe gotten off track, with people who maybe might be even living shameful lives. He's standing in that crowd, in that line. He's standing with people who have maybe been arrested for drunk driving or have declared bankruptcy. He's standing in line with people who have sex outside of marriage, who, who tear others down with their words and undercut them with their words. He's standing in line with addicts of all kinds of unhealthy things, with people who have regrets as children, regrets as, as parents, regrets as spouses. Regret, he's staying with people of all times and all places. Somewhere for reasons, somewhere there for reasons that everybody would know about. Somewhere there for reasons that only the secrets of their hearts would know about. But regardless of how they were there, Jesus was there with them, with the wounded, the lost sinners, all of them at this Jordan River. And these folks with Jesus, they're, they're seeking a, a sin-forgiving baptism. That's why they're there. They have approached God's prophet, this John, with a desperate hope that God, through John, could clean them up and that they could finally have the ability to remember who they are and whose they are. And they could turn their lives around and live in that knowing. And it's with those people, again, that Jesus is standing 
Because we remember that He is Emmanuel, God with us. Because He is Jesus, the God who saves. If our identity begins with Jesus, it is a blessing to know that Jesus is the one who loves so powerfully that He can stand with us right where we are. Who am I? The first part of the answer is, I am not alone. Jesus is with me. But part two, the answer of who am I comes from the baptism itself. John baptizes Jesus, and as Jesus is coming up from the water, now we don't know whether it's when he came out of the water and he just kind of was able to take a breath of air again, that kind of out of the water, or whether he was leaving the river and getting ready to step on the shore. We don't know. As he's coming out of the water one way or another, at some point coming out of the water, what we do know is that heaven opens, and the Holy Spirit of God comes down and fully engulfs and surrounds and fills with no limit to measure, Jesus. And the Father speaks, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. First of all, we need to notice about this event that the Father didn't stutter. That's a phrase my boys say when they're talking back and forth to each other, when they say something and they said, what did you say? And they just say, I didn't stutter, right? <laughs> I said it right. I said it clear the first time. When God announces this, the father didn't stutter. He said it bold. He said it clear. He said it concise. And he said it for us to hear. And the second thing we want to notice is that the father just didn't tell Jesus as though it were some sort of a secret. In Matthew's gospel, we get this from the summaries of all this event of Jesus is baptizing, that the Father is speaking directly to Jesus, but he's also speaking to Jesus and everyone else. This is a public announcement of who Jesus is. The Father said it for Jesus and for everyone who's standing at the river that day and everyone who would read Matthew's account of what happened at the river that day, including you and me. God the Father comes across time and eternity and creation, and he fills and surrounds Jesus, and he says, my son, for the females in the room, my daughter, to all of us, my beloved. One more thing, my delight. In baptism through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus, that's who we are. Who am I? Well, in baptism, I'm adopted and I'm a redeemed. I'm restored son or daughter of God. In baptism, I'm a recipient of God's declaration that says, I am loved. In holy baptism, we receive God's announcement that when he looks at us in Jesus, he delights in us. In baptism, we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. That is who we are. Did you hear it? That is who we are to the creator of heaven and earth. And that, that is what the creator of heaven and earth, our heavenly father says that you are. It doesn't matter what anybody else or anything else in all creation says about you to your, not even your own thoughts. If it's not, you are mine and I love you and I'm well pleased with you when I see you and Jesus in his baptism. Anything other than that? Second doubt, second question. 
We are not the money we earn. We are not the people we associate with. We are not the work that we do or the results that we achieve. We are not successes or failures. We're not the super achievers or disgraces. We are not what we can conquer or what we succumb to. And we are not limited to how we know ourselves to be. We are who the Father declares us to be. Who am I? The second part of that answer is, I'm a beloved child of God. I'm loved. A late Henry Nouwen, he wrote these words. We'll end with this. They're beautiful words. He said, Jesus came to share his identity with us. To tell us we are the loved and, and, and beloved sons and daughters of God. We were God's beloved before our fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, or church ever loved us or wounded us. God loved us before we were born, and he'll love us after we die. That is who we are, whether we feel it or not. We belong to God from eternity to eternity. And he ends with this. Life is just a little opportunity for us during a few years to say to our Father, I love you too. Who am I? Friends, we are baptized. We are beloved sons and daughters of God. We are never alone. And with that vision of who we are, then we can go forward. Without that vision of who we are, don't, don't take another step. But with that vision of who you are, move forward. Move forward in this year, 2020, a year that we think of vision, of 2020, clear, good vision. And as you move forward, knowing who you are, prayerfully continue to dream about God's plans for us and how we live and how we love and how we serve as Jesus did. Continue to seek God's holy will on how we can raise each other up and everybody who comes into this house, humble house of God, that when they come here, they will know that they are loved and they are forgiven and that they matter to God and they matter to us, that we will raise people up. It will not be about our perfection. It will be about our efforts to love and cherish each other as we love and cherish God. That we will seek God's will about a place that we can call a permanent home about a place where we can maybe in the future help start another congregation that would be just like this, a rescue mission where people can come in here tired and worn or full of life, no matter how they come in. When they come in here, they can rest in the sanctuary of God knowing who they are. Emmanuel Lutheran Church, we are blessed and God wants us to be a blessing to the world around us. May he help us remember always who we are and then go about sharing his work. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for calling us here today to be in your presence, among your people, to communion with you. We offer our thanks for your goodness. We offer our thanks for your love of us. Thank you for restoring us to the place where we can call you Father. If it gives you glory, continue to bless your church on earth with faith, obedience, and a heart for you and each other. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for showing us the way of the kingdom. We give you thanks for your example of service, for the life we find in and through you. If it gives you glory, correct the errors of our ways. Reshape us and conform us into your image. Make us to be followers of your way. Empower each of us to participate in your mission with enthusiasm and your ministry with gratitude. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit of God, in this season of long nights and short days, we ask you to help us make time to rest in you, to rediscover your holy will and way. We also ask that you empower the leaders of government to be men and women of your will and way. Help them initiate peace and freedom and truth. Help the leaders of corporations, unions, hospitals, and schools manage the power, wealth, and humanity entrusted to them. Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you guard and guide our nation's servicemen and women wherever they are and sustain their families while they are away from home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, lead those who have health to care for the, to care for the hurting. Lead those who are suffering into healing, faith, and peace. Hear our prayers for those we name before you in our hearts.